Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. So today, you know, in light of kind of starting a new season, this time of year is like a new season with the schools and the colleges and everything cranking back up and everybody's getting into their uh, next nine month routine. I thought it would be appropriate to stop and think about how, what are my priorities? What priorities are, need to be removed? What needs to be replaced? What needs to be tweaked? And, uh, and, and every one of us, I'm sure every one of us have a few misplaced priorities. I know I do. And so if that's the case, the question then becomes, how do I correct them? How do I correct those misplaced priorities in my life? Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he already understood his priorities. You know the story, he, they had gone to Jerusalem for the Passover and they would make that annual trip from uh, uh, Nazareth and they would go there to, to have the uh, Passover and be a part of all that was taking place. And they couldn't find Jesus. And uh, they'd actually started on their way home and had to go back to, backtrack to find him. And they found him in the temple and in, in one of the synagogues. And, and Jesus basically said to them, why did you need to search? You know, why, why did you go all over the place searching? Didn't you know I'm, I must be in my father's house? Some tra- translates it, put this, uh, translations put it this way. I must be about my father's business. I must be about what matters to him. So even at 12 years old, Jesus started putting his priorities in place that he understood what really mattered. At the end of the day, God's business is all that matters. Then when he was in Gethsemane at the other end of the spectrum of his life, near the end, right before he was arrested, he was praying and he shares this prayer with us. He says, I brought glory to you, talking to his father. I brought glory to you here on earth and here's how he did it. By completing the work you gave me to do. So there's a direct connection of giving glory to God and the way we do it is by giving, by being and completing the mission, the purpose that God has for your life. You know, I think sometimes people think, well, if I just listen to a lot of good Christian music, I'm giving glory to God. But it's far beyond that. Giving glory to God is by you dis- discovering God's purpose for your life, why he puts you here, the mission he's given you, and then you completing that. You accomplish that. And by doing so, that brings glory to God. And ultimately, that's the most important thing about my life and your life, is bringing glory to him. Paul put it this way. He said, my life is worth nothing to me unless, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. 
Every one of us, as a believer, has an assignment, personalized assignment. In fact, the Bible tells us this assignment was designed for us before we were ever born, before our life ever began. God had a purpose and a design for us. And if that's true, then one of my priorities or the priority of my life is to make sure my life is lined up with that purpose. And Paul said, you know, apart from that, my life is meaningless. Everything else is meaningless. It does not last. It does not matter. And then at the end of his life, in 2 Timothy, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I, I finished the race, the course that was lined, uh, outlined for me. I have remained faithful. So when I was born, when you were born, a race started. A course had already been laid out for us. And you and I have the choice as to whether we're going to run that race or run another race. You see, some of us, or maybe this applies to you, you're running a great race and it's amazing and you're doing great and you're accomplishing a lot of things and you get to the end of the finish line and you find out you were on the wrong course. Some of the cross-country guys in the church, they tell me, they say, when, you know, whenever we go to a course that we've never run before, yeah, you really have to be careful uh, in that you could make a wrong turn somewhere. And, and then you could be making great time, but you're going in the wrong direction. So some of you, maybe you're running the race of your life and you're doing so well, but you're on the wrong course. That's, that's what this message is about. How to correct that mistake. How to get back on course. Paul, Paul said it, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have remained faithful until you and I decide that my purpose, I, you know, this, this is what it boils down to for me. Until you make that decision that the purpose of my life is to bring glory to God, then everything else I do is in vain at least from God's perspective. And isn't that the only one that matters? Until I make a decision, the purpose of my life is to bring glory to God. Because the glory of God is all that's going to remain. So I need to know what my purpose is to bring glory to God. And the good news is the Bible's given us the bulk of it. You know, the Bible doesn't tell me specific things like, hey, Don, you're supposed to be a pastor. You know, the Bible doesn't tell me that. But 95% of everything else I'm supposed to do, the Bible is very clear about those things. I want you telling people about me. I want you to disciple and mentor people. I want you to love people. I want you to care for people. I want you to go after that lost sheep of mine. Go after that one that's nobody's going after. So here, here's the question then today that really gets us down to it. How do I keep the main thing the main thing? How do I focus on what really matters? If all this is true, all this premise is true, then how do I stay focused? Well, number one, 
I must adopt God's agenda. I've got to settle that. I, I have to adopt God's agenda for my life and set my personal agenda aside. Now, here's the cool thing. That doesn't mean you have to give up your habits. Your, uh, some of them you do. But this, your hobbies, you don't have to give up your hobbies. You can, you can accomplish a lot of God's will right in your hobbies. You see, God wants you making a difference in people's lives. In fact, I found as a pastor, it's much easier to influence somebody when we're out doing something away from church. You know, if we get out on the lake or we go play golf, I can have some amazing conversations with somebody much better than if we're sitting in my office. A little while ago, I was playing golf with somebody and, and, uh, and we were uh, waiting. We actually pulled up the hole to putt, and, and I, you know, I just knew the Holy Spirit was telling me to say something. And so I looked at my friend, and I said, you know what? I really think you've got to learn how to like yourself. Because I don't think you like yourself. Man, he immediately put his arm around me and was getting emotional. See, that, I, I wouldn't know that, but the Holy Spirit knew that. And then I, I said to him, I said, you know, um, Jesus said, you love others as you love yourself. And I, I think you have a hard time loving yourself because you don't like yourself. Man, that, that was worth the whole 18 holes. That was using something that's fun to do for God's glory. Making a difference in somebody else's life. To, to say something that the Holy Spirit wanted to say to them. God's agenda has never changed. His agenda for this world is the kingdom of God. The Bible says that very often. Everything, all that matters... Literally, all that matters is the kingdom of God. And until I settle this, everything else is in vain. Everything else I do, even good things, it's in vain if I have not settled that the kingdom of God is all that matters. It's all that mattered to Jesus. That's how he brought glory to God the Father. So it ought to matter to me. In fact, look at what Jesus said. And the good news about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, it will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. So if Jesus said that, that means it's going to happen. It's a done deal. And then he says, and then the end will come. You know, I find it interesting whenever a major world event happens or something very disturbing happens, a lot of people will ask me, they say, hey, do you think this is one of the signs for the the end times. And I said, well, it could be. I said, here's all I really know. I know we're one day closer to Jesus coming back. I know that. But I, I focus more on what Jesus said. And, and Jesus said, when the whole world hears my message, when every people group has had an opportunity to hear the gospel, that's going to be the conclusion. 
that's when I'm going to come back. And I want to tell you, when you think about today's world that we live in, with this instant communication throughout the world, I mean, something can happen on the far side of the planet and we know about it instantly. We can see live video halfway around the world and see something happen in real time. I, I mean, the, the availability of the gospel is like never before. And uh, through the work that we do with uh, Crossover Global, I get to go and help train these church planners that are going into closed countries that we could never go into. And, and man, they're sharing the gospel and they're seeing their people group praying to receive Christ left and right. And it's unbelievable what God is doing and how many churches have been planted in places you'd never expect a church to be planted. So when, when I want to think about when is Jesus coming back, I, I think about this verse. When all nations hear it, then the end will come. And I also like what Peter says. He says, the Lord really isn't being slow about his promise. And he was referring to about him coming back. And he said, as, as some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants, he wants everyone to repent. So Jesus is waiting to come back for your sake for you to be able to tell your friend and your family member that you know is not a believer, Jesus is patiently waiting for you to take that opportunity. I mean, if Jesus came back today, I've got friends and family members that I'll never see again, ever. Because they're not going to be in heaven. And it's for their sake and my sake that Jesus is waiting. I wonder what family member or good friend that you've got that Jesus is waiting for your sake to have an opportunity to tell them about him. It's all about the kingdom of God. And, and I can't imagine anything bringing more glory to God than for you to have an opportunity to tell somebody else about Jesus and helping to fulfill the Great Commission. I mean, how cool is that? How wonderful is that, that you have the opportunity to do that? Revelation 5.9. This is something that literally is going to happen. Hadn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. He said, and they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered. So they're obviously talking about Jesus. And your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That is a future event. It's a done deal. It's going to happen. And for our sake, and for the sake of your friends and family members, God is waiting. But he's not going to wait forever. The time will come 
that the weight will stop. Second thing I need to do, I need to abandon distractions. If I'm going to fulfill God's purpose for my life, if I'm going to be about giving glory to God and and being about his kingdom work, I've got to abandon my distractions. And there are a lot of them. I mean, there's so many distractions today, right? You get distracted all the time, so easily, so quickly. And, and it's very convenient to get distracted. You carry it around in your pocket with your cell phone. How easily can you get distracted with that? <clears throat> Next time you go to the restaurant and you're not on your cell phone, uh, look around <laughs> and see how many people are on their cell phones at the restaurant eating a meal not together. They just happen to sit at the same table. First Corinthians 7, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Now, Jesus, uh, Paul had just got through talking about uh, people that weren't married. And he said, look, um, I mean, he wasn't saying you shouldn't get married. He just said, hey, think about not getting married so that you can give full attention to the kingdom and the gospel. Um, and he in, in no way is saying, and listen, he is not saying if you are married, you need to get out. He's not saying that. Uh, so don't hear that. In fact, I think Paul really thought that being single was a spiritual gift. It took special giftedness of the Holy Spirit to be single because we're wired, I think, to be married. And but basically what he's saying is he said, if you really want to be all in, you know, get rid of the distractions. But if you're married, you know, obviously you're to love and care for and please your wife and love and care for and please your husband. Now, obviously we do that. So if you are married, that doesn't mean this verse doesn't apply to you. Rather, what are the other distractions that you have? I mean, you've got some distractions that are harming your marriage, right? You've got some things that are keeping you from loving and caring for your spouse like you should and loving and caring for your kids like you should. Obviously, you, you need to readjust those, those habits and those distractions, but even more so the things about the kingdom of God. You know, uh, we got a lot of, a lot of our kids are heading away to school uh, last week and this week. And it, it was so cool that I've been able to say to a lot of parents, I said, you did such an amazing job. I've gotten to know your kid pretty well. You did an amazing job as a parent. It's been so neat to be able to say that to parents. And, uh, and I said, you've prepared them for this. You've gotten them ready. And so many parents have been so good and effective in helping their child to be prepared for God's purpose for their life. Matthew 6, Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else, everything else, and live righteously. And then that comes with a promise. And he, talking about God, will give you everything you need. So if I'm focused on the kingdom of God, doing what pleases God, fulfilling his purpose for my life, he has promised he will give me everything I need. Now, what you think you need and what God 
knows that you need is usually two different things. Everything that you need includes things like wisdom and decisions that you have to make. The Bible says if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God and he'll freely give it to you. He wants you to have it. So God promises you, I'm going to give you what you need and you need wisdom. You need wisdom to make good decisions, to make the right decisions. And I'm going to give you that wisdom. Because man's wisdom, according to the Bible, is foolishness to God. God laughs at our wisdom. Anytime you tell God you got it all figured out, he kind of chuckles. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're, you're going to learn the hard way, aren't you? God's wisdom, he gives it to you when you ask him for it. Uh, he, he also gives you power in your prayers. Your prayers make a difference. Uh, I've I had several, you know, when I meet with people, I usually ask them this question, how can I pray for you? And uh, often the prayer is, I, I'm inconsistent in, in my quiet time. That, I hear that more than any other one thing. And usually what I say to them, I say, well, I want you to practice the discipline for a little while. See if that helps. Start writing out your prayers. Because when you're writing it out, it makes you focus. And, and you're more focused on what it is you're praying for. And you're putting it down. In fact, it kind of helps you to not be so selfish in your praying. And uh, I, I have journals and journals of prayers that I, I write out. And what's really cool is every once in a while, I'll pull out an old journal and just look at some of the prayers that I wrote down. And then I'm reminded of how faithful God was in answering that prayer. In fact, sometimes I read a prayer and realize God's still answering that prayer. And I haven't prayed that thing in years, but God is still answering that prayer. Because see, the prayers that I write out and the prayers that I say and you say, they go into that golden bowl that we've talked about in the altar at God's throne room. And angels take holy fire from the altar and they place it in there. And it creates an incense that's pleasing to God. But those prayers, every prayer that you pray is before holy God 24-7. So when I write out my prayers, it's a reminder to me, this prayer that I just wrote, right now is in the presence of holy God in his throne room. So it's a physical reminder of what's happened in God's throne room. And man, that, that makes it deeper for me. And it also makes me realize how serious prayer is. And so when I seek the kingdom of God first, then he gives power in my prayers to your prayers. Another thing he gives me, he will give you strength in your words. Words are, words can be so damaging. I mean, if I asked you, think about something hurtful that somebody said to you, you'll immediately think of something. And I promise you, some of you are probably thinking about something that was said to you decades ago. Yeah, I remember I had this teacher, they said this to me, I'll never forget that, that was it was my horrible day. Or I remember this, or I remember, I mean, we remember the hurtful words that are said. Words are powerful, but they can also encourage and build up. They can encourage and can build up. 
So when I told my young friend, I don't think you like yourself, that could be pretty hurtful. But then I turned the words to power for him about what God really wanted to do in his life. So words, you will, you will have strength in your words that you will say truth in the right way. And then another thing that God promises to give you is purpose in your actions. When you are seeking God's kingdom, then there's purpose in the choices that you make. There's purpose in, in the life decisions that you make. Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, he said, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you think God's going to answer the prayer of Jesus? I, I think that. So the prayer of Jesus, that one has not been fully uh, answered yet because not all of God's will is being done on earth, but it's going to be. And you either get to be a part of it or choose not to participate. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, let your will be done in my life here on earth. Let your will be done in my life right here, right now. Let me be about your business, your kingdom. Jesus um, in Luke, he said, uh, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, he's not saying they're not going to get saved, they're not going to go to heaven. He's not saying that. Rather, what he's saying is, he said, hey, if you know what God's purpose is for your life and you get on that path, but you start looking back, when you look forward again, you're going to find that you've just been zigzagging around and your life is just bouncing around. You're going to miss what God has for you. But we have a bad habit of looking back. You know what we do? We play the what if game. What if I hadn't have said that? What if I hadn't done that? What if I had done that instead? And every one of us do that. Every one of us have the what ifs. Wish I hadn't. Wish I had. Every one of us have that. And basically, Jesus is inviting you to get over it. He said, look, all the mistakes that you made back there, my death on the cross was enough to cover that. And every time you focus on that, you're basically saying my death wasn't enough. Either, either I forgave you or I didn't, and I promise you I forgave you. So quit living in those past regrets. Just stop. There's not a thing you can do about it. And what can be done about it, I did it. I took care of it. I want you to focus on what's ahead. Because that's how you can focus on what matters. Now, if you really want to understand the principle of this verse, when you drive home today, only look in your rearview mirror. See how you do. I mean, you're going to cross the yellow line, you're going to run off the road, you may hit somebody, and you're going to have everybody in the car screaming at you. I mean, it just does not work. If 
you want to get your life back on track, you need to stop looking back. One last thought. If, I, if I'm going to be about God's kingdom, if I'm going to adjust my priorities, I must appropriate God's power. Let's go back to what Jesus said again in chapter 6 of Matthew. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he'll give you everything that you need. I have to appropriate that power that he gives me. It's not your power, it's his that he gave you. And it's in the form of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. I have to appropriate the Holy Spirit in my life. And I do that through prayer and claiming biblical principles. I love this in 2 Chronicles. Um, it says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, this is a basic spiritual truth. And to me, basically, it means that God is present and is powerful in the defense of his obedient people. So my question is, what does God find when he searches your heart? He says, I, I want to support you. I want to give you everything that you need. But you've got to accept it. So when God searches your heart, what does he find? A life full of wrong priorities? Or a life that is seeking his kingdom above everything else? We're going to have communion today. And those who are watching online, you can join us uh, in your own home there. But as we share in communion, the way we do it here, we have six stations come up. And when you're ready, you just come and you take the bread and the cup and you just kind of go off to the side and pray and share in that. You can do it as an individual because some of you probably need to do business with God alone. Some of you need to do that. Or you can do it as a family and head of the family, you lead your family into communion. Or do it with some friends, whatever. But get yourself ready first. Before you come, if you really mean it, you say to the Lord, I want to be about your kingdom. I want to adjust my priorities. They line up with your priorities for my life. So our, our men are going to come. Our deacons are going to come. They'll be at the stations there to help you. And the band's going to come out and just lead us in this time. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And when you're ready, you just get up from your seat and you come and take the communion, take it off to the side, and then you can go back to your seat. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for purpose and meaning for us. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to proclaim your name. Thank you that when we mess up, you forgive. Get us back on track. Let us quit looking back. Let us focus on what's ahead. Thank you for forgiving the sins of the past. 
Now fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let us live in that power. Because mine's not enough. As we take communion, Father, as the bread represents the body of Jesus and the juice represents the blood of Christ, we're sharing in his death and his burial and his resurrection. Some of the people who were baptized last Sunday, they're going to have communion for the first time as a believer. And we, we, we're so excited for that for them. Now bless this sacred, sacred time. In Jesus' name, amen. You come as you're ready.